steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! back to the unbelievable podcast i am bj Idell, back here with my guy drew holt and today we are taking a look at a matchup for your minnesota vikings against the baltimore ravens vikings head out on the road after a embarrassing loss to the dallas cowboys at home at u.s bank stadium and now they face arguably an even tougher chance uh, challenge here uh, definitely a tougher challenge if you consider the quarterback position uh lamar jackson brings a host of issues that the vikings have uh, in the past, not done so well with. So we'll talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson's mobility and his uh, increased ability as a, pot, a passer this season, along with the weapons that he has, including uh, Rashad Bateman, who's back from injury and a former U of M player, which we'll get our first look at this season. So uh, plenty to discuss here. And then, of course, we'll finish up with our picks here and give us the status report and where we stand. So that is the game plan for today's show. So. Let's start off with that man I just said right there, Lamar Jackson, uh, arguably the most dangerous individual football player in professionals. Um, guys straight up can do a lot of different things very well. Uh, he runs 4-4. He's about as fast as you're going to fi- find as a player straight line uh, in terms of just overall elusiveness. I mean, I, I don't, I've never seen anything like it with the exception of maybe Michael Vick, um, honest to God. So, you know, this is a, this isn't, this is a, he is a running back. Uh, he just also happens to be a very good passer as well. Um, and so I, I think Emmanuel Acho was the one who said a couple of weeks ago or whatever that, you know, why are we using the term uh, running back as, you know, a disability for Lamar Jackson when really, I mean, the fact that he's able to do that as basically a running back um, and also drop back and pass the ball as efficiently as, as basically anyone uh, in the NFL, at least in recent weeks, um, makes him one of the most dangerous players in the NFL. And, Good luck to the Vikings. You know, there's no perfect way to right. stop Lamar Jackson. I don't think anyone's found the blueprint to date. No, and I mean, the Vikings have struggled with mobile quarterbacks as it is. Yes. Um, this is a different level of mobile quarterback to me. Uh, Lamar is, like you said, he's he's the closest thing to like prime Michael Vick that there is, except for the fact that the Ravens utilize their offense better to take advantage of that a little bit better, where Vick was kind of just – scrambling around making plays when maybe right. the first couple of reads weren't open. The, the Ravens are making it a point to design runs where he gets in space. He can use his speed. Maybe it's option plays, whatever it might be. Um, so the discipline is, is huge. It puts, it puts a major amount of pressure on, you know, those DNs um, or those outside linebackers to, you know, be disciplined in, in their gaps. And, and, you know, with that, cause that's all they're going to do, right. They're trying to isolate these, these guys kind of make that decision and defend a spot, you know, um, in those option plays. Um, so that's where, you know, Lamar has been super efficient. Uh, looking at numbers wise in terms of passing the ball, he has 8.6 yards per attempt this year, which is very good, very but good. then running the ball 6.3 yards per attempt. So, uh, I mean, right there, you can kind of just say overall, he's the most efficient player, our efficient offensive player in football. So a, clearly a very tall task ahead of him. And despite, the, you know, backfield issues that Baltimore has dealt with this season. They, they're still one of the best ground games 
in the NFL, 4.9 yards a carry as a team this year. So, and the Vikings stopping the run has been iffy at times. So this is a major, major challenge for sure. You know, one thing I want to point out about Lamar Jackson too, is that for a guy that everyone thinks is going to get hurt on basically every individual play, he seems to be surprisingly healthy on a fairly consistent basis, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Uh, and really beside the point, but uh, just something I wanted to make note of, you know, when you compare, if you do want to compare him to Michael Vick, the, the number one thing that you have to account for, like you said, um, is the fact that John Harbaugh has created an offense um, perfect for Lamar Jackson. Whereas, like you said, Michael Vick was basically just kind of, if it's not there, I'm running. Um, and yeah. he was really good at that. Uh, but Lamar Jackson is basically, you know, an ascended version of that because he has those weapons around him. He has a great coaching staff. Um, he has, you know, basically um, an offense that is designed only for Lamar Jackson. I don't think, and this is a blessing and a curse. It's something where only Lamar can run this style of play. Uh, and at the same time, if he gets hurt, which again, knock on wood, he hasn't, um, then you're in trouble. But the Ravens um, have built around him to the best of their ability. They're very good blocking up front, or I should say very solid blocking up front. They're not going to blow anyone one away this isn't you know prime Dallas Cowboys offensive line or you know something like that but this is a very solid offensive front that's going to give him time to operate he doesn't it doesn't force him into being a run first player uh just you know with his athletic ability I think that he's become a much better pocket passer particularly this season um and through you know the duration of the games that he's played so far this year I mean, he's become a player that is not trying to escape the pocket and run away where he's actually looking through to that second and third read and now he's got the options to throw the ball to as well with hollywood brown of course the vertical threat that has had some drop issues and that's really looked like troy williamson at times but on the flip side of that he's also looked like you know I guess Troy Williamson at times with his burner speed going vertical and getting over the top of defenses and making you know things look really ugly. And Lamar's been able to get him the ball. On top of that, you got Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, the tight end as your safety net, and you've got Rashad Bateman, who I mentioned at the top of the show, who uh, we're very familiar with, especially if you're a Gophers fan or if at least if you're a Big Ten football fan, uh, he can go up and get it with with the best of them. You can trust this guy one on one with just about anyone. All of this spells problems, and I just noticed today that Cameron Dantzler did not practice. So the Vikings may be down yet another cornerback, and you've got the best version of Lamar Jackson, the passer, that I have seen to date coming in um, against you with his arguably his best host of targets that he's ever had in his career. Yeah, that's that was the thing I, I wanted to point out today, too, when we did this, was just the it, it's taken a little bit for Baltimore to kind of build up the receiving weapons, you know, that right. Lamar can really use well. Mark Andrews has been a great tight end option for sure. Um, it's taken a little bit for Hollywood to develop. Of course, still has that that drop issue against, well, against Detroit. It was really bad in that week, three of them. two or three game where it was like so three, three touchdowns, touchdowns basically through his hands. Um, but he has certainly come into his own. And I mean, that, you know, he has that, that burner ability, big playability. Sammy Watkins, a veteran who's been around and has been on, you know, championship caliber teams. Uh, and then, like you said, Rashad Bateman, another guy uh, that, you know, uh, the Minnesota fans are very familiar with. So uh, overall, that's a very, uh, very respectable group of weapons there that Baltimore has. And again, then you maximize it through the most perhaps the most dynamic player in the NFL. And the result is, you know, an offense that I mean, it's tough to stop in general. And I don't see a, you know, a the correct formula here. I Mike Zimmer's got his work cut out for him. I mean, straight up, especially with you're losing to Neil Hunter. You already have Dantzler or you, I mean, you already have Peterson out. Uh, you got Dantzler now not practicing. I saw Anthony Barr was also not practicing. So 
I mean, Anthony Barr is one of those key players, especially, especially where, in this situation, in yeah. this situation where he's going to be isolated and you need that outside linebacker position to make plays to kind of, you know, contain this offense. And I, it's, it's going to be a struggle. I really think so. So ultimately, if you guys remember, of course, the, the Baltimore Ravens lost their top three rushers, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and uh, was it Justice Hill uh, at the beginning of this year? And they've replaced them with three veterans in Latavius Murray, who, we, of course, we remember in purple and gold. Very solid running back. Uh, Devontae Freeman, former Atlanta uh, Falcon. And then, of course, Le'Veon Bell, uh, who has traveled around the NFL since leaving the New York Jets. Uh, that's your basically your backfield. And it's a, again, this is another situation where it's like, yes, you do not have the most dynamic rushers in the NFL anymore, um, with the exception of your quarterback, of course. But you're, the guys that you can turn around and hand it off to are all very experienced. Uh, they're definitely some of the most savvy uh, you know, rushers in the NFL in terms of finding the right hole to burst through. Um, I trust Latavius Murray, you know, Le'Veon Bell, or Devontae Freeman with the best of them in terms of just maximizing the best opportunity. They may not have the breakaway speed anymore, but you're going to get efficiency from this group as well so collectively you know you've got some very high-end explosive weapons like hollywood brown and lamar jackson uh you've got some kind of possession pieces guys that are going to move the chains and rashad bateman mark andrews you've also got some goal line options I, i think rashad bateman and mark andrews both fit the bill in there as well this to me is not like a blanket defense situation this is not a situation where you can be like, all right, we're going to drop back in zone and we're not going to let them beat us deep and we're going to win the football game. This isn't like that. This is like stay disciplined in your gaps up front. Don't get them, let them get past the second level of your defense. Otherwise you're screwed. Because the one thing I will say about Lamar Jackson, for sure, this is a guarantee lock in the F across the board. There is no player I would rather have one-on-one in the open field than Lamar Jackson in the entire entire professional football and I can't think of anyone else in recent memory who truly electrifies the field and can get out of a dodgy situation slipperier than this dude in recent memory. Yeah, it's he is one of those guys that um, it just he seems like he can take over a game just by getting himself into open space. So that's the thing. Be tackling is going to be huge. You know, not missing those easy tackles when or you know converting on those kind of open space tackles for those cornerbacks. Sure. I know again, Lamar Jackson in space an element of luck about, to well. about the toughest task there is, but yeah, you're right about that. And then for one thing, making sure that these other guys don't beat you these kind of, I don't want to say washed up because that's a disrespectful term, but you know, that backfield that is more or less past its prime. Definitely. You know, Definitely. Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman. I mean, that would be a heck of a fantasy a running back, you know, team to have in 2015, you know, that'd be perfect, right? Latavius Murray had a big year that year, Devontae Freeman, Atlanta, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, that is, yeah, I would actually, I I urge one of the listeners to go look up fantasy numbers from 2015 and see how those three stack up. I would imagine they're all borderline top 10 or better um, in that season. But, but yeah, I mean, when they do like, you, you kind of have to almost in a way, let those guys beat you like focus Lamar again, he's going to get his, but I would, you know, I'd prefer to let the ground game win this game in a way that you kind of want um, those running backs to beat you that running game. But again, they, they scheme things up so well with their option um, option stuff that it's talking to me about disciplines, uh, fulfilling the gaps and um, making the open field tackles when you get those chances. It's in addition to, you know, being disciplined, like yeah, that's number one, right? Like first and foremost, make your tackles, you know, keep the short plays short. Uh, don't let the, you know, the short plays turn into long plays. Don't get beat over the top. Don't do anything stupid like that. That's just square one, right? You do all those things. 
you're in the ball game. Next thing here, and I really think in order for the Vikings to win this one, and to me, this is honestly, I'm, I'm basically making my pick at this point, but in order to win this football game, you're going to have to force a turnover or two. Now, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson isn't doesn't have the capacity to give you a rock. Uh, we've seen him throw interceptions. He's already got five fumbles this year, 10 last year, nine before that, and he led the league with 12 fumbles his rookie season. There is the ability to knock that ball loose if you're able to get hands on this guy. Uh, he runs loose with the football. You can see him palming it with one hand sometimes. Uh, he does some Shady McCoy stuff in terms of, uh-huh, kind of Shady McCoy. Yeah, he did kind that. of running with the ball outside his pads. Yeah. Um, there is an opportunity there. But I think I really do think that in order for the Vikings to win this football game, you're going to need that moment. You're going to need that game breaker moment where yeah. you get a fumble. I mean, that means recovering it, too, by the way, not just forcing it. Uh, he doesn't lose all of his fumbles. He gets on top of them sometimes as well. So you got to convert that type of opportunity, get an interception, do something like that. Otherwise, you just straight up can't win this game, I don't think. Because I don't think if you go 1-1-1-1-1-1 in terms of possessions – Vikings aren't going to win this game. You can't beat this team with the way the style of offense the Vikings are playing right now. Uh, they're the most aggressive team. I think John Harbaugh is at least top five in the in the NFL in terms of valuing analytic analytics and using them to his advantage and going for it in kind of conversion situations. Yep. Uh, so you're up against it. You have to either change the way you play, which we've seen over the last three weeks. They're probably not going to. Probably not it. happening. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, good luck because I don't think you're matching this team one for one. No, yeah, I'm with you on that. And and then, I mean, there's, I did want to bring this up and this is kind of an aside where we're not, it's not the specific matchup per se, but the Ravens and the Vikings aren't that different. Um, very kind of, the Ravens have been this kind of defense, defense first team um, over oh, yeah. the years. They're um, definitely known for that. Like when you and think the Ravens, you think. Right. Louis and offensively, you've thought of their ground game more than anything. Um, plus, Prior to Lamar, they um, were kind of stuck with the high-paid quarterback. And so the difference has been, you know, Baltimore kind of took the chance on a new quarterback and obviously paid off in a big way. And then number two, John Harbaugh does an excellent job of kind of, you know, it's it's about the players first. Um, and it seems like Zimmer and the Vikings coaching staff, it's a lot of kind of here's what we're going to do you will do this instead of kind of like, I, I just think to uh, the, the big fourth down play that Baltimore had against Kansas city in week two, I believe where uh, Harbaugh basically yelled and, and kind of asked Lamar, he's like, do you want to go for this? And it would have clinched the game. It was a fourth and two or fourth and one in their own territory. And they would have instead, it's either pump the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, let him win the game or get this first down left it totally up to Lamar Jackson. He said, yeah. And then without a doubt, without even hesitation, Harbaugh's like, yep, we're going for it. Lamar got the first down. So it's stuff like that, that I just can't see Zimmer in any way making that move where he goes to Kirk or whoever else and says, do you want to go for this right now? And it's in your own territory, like at the 30 yard line, you're backed up and you got to get a first down to win from two yards. There's no way Zimmer does that. So I think that's the difference between those two, the two teams and the way they're built, the way they're set up, not that different, but there's a couple of key differences that have kept the Baltimore Ravens as the Super Bowl contender or this team that can win 13, 14 games in the season versus where the Vikings are now. Absolutely. And as you kind of kind of 
keep an eye on potential coaching candidates and styles of you know, philosophies or you know, just a brand that you'd be looking at if you are in the camp that believes that Mike Zimmer should be fired, consider this. John Harbaugh, of course, a special teams coach before becoming a head coach. He did not have the most uh, – you know, uh, I would say natural path to getting the head coaching position. You know, generally speaking, you see guys that are innovative like Sean McVay or highly experienced at a, you know, a specialty like Mike Zimmer or, you know, the ver- a ver- array of different other styles of kind of getting there. Kyle Shanahan, of course, being, you know, an innovator, game-changing offensive mind. Mm-hmm. John Harbaugh, not like that. He's a, a true leader of men. Um, and I think what he does better than anyone, and this is one of my favorite styles of coaching, is he just is a, is a true facilitator. Everyone around him, is extremely talented. He puts the offensive hand into the Greg Roman. He's able to design this perfect offensive system for for Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's Greg Bo- Roman's baby, basically. And John Harbaugh just kind of steps back and makes the you know, do you want to go for it? Do you not? Um, you know, this is a this is a true you know group of coaches that are on board with like, all right, I'm going to handle this. You handle this, whatever. And Harbaugh just takes the blame and the you know that type of thing. So yeah. uh, if you're looking for a coach, you know, it doesn't need to be, you know, the a 32 year old that has this new office of style of play. That's going to brand the NFL for the next five years. It could also be this 45, 50 year old man that has, you know, knows how to be a leader of Ben like John Harbaugh. I think he's truly one of the best in the NFL um, at what he does in terms of leading and getting this team ready every single week. He's been as consistent as anyone outside of Mike Tomlin for the last decade. So Anyways, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball for Baltimore here, and then we'll make our picks. Uh, the defense, like you said, uh, this has been branded as a defensive football club for basically as long as I can remember. I kind of trace my real true football roots back to about 1997. And at that point in time, that was when Baltimore was starting to build this kind of mm-hmm. not just defense, but like angry, like murder. Like I mean, that, that deep was a 2000. One that was I think that, 2001 that Super Bowl, so it would have been 2000. The, the Trent Dilfer Super Bowl, yes. Um, I remember that watching was, that in the theater. It was th- I mean, you look back at the numbers from that year where I think there was a time where there was, a, I, I remember this specifically, there was a five game stretch. Now, I, I, I shouldn't say I remember this specifically, but I, I've you know consumed enough football content to remember the specific stat. There was a five game stretch in that 2000 year where the, the offense didn't score more than 10 points in any of those games. Um, but the Ravens went two and three. <laughs> so it's one of those things where that deep fears. I mean, I was very little big name, but so many other guys were contributing to that. And, and since then, I've always just thought of Baltimore as I have a stout defense. Um, it's been branded that way, like you said. And so, I mean, this defense is, it's not like 2000 Baltimore Ravens, Mm-mm. but it's, it is, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of big names on this group uh, and whether it's been, doing draft stuff over the years and you got, Oh yeah, that was a name from that draft, you know, things like that. Or it's like a Calais Campbell where been around and been a beast, been a monster for Still a while. Uh, and then the Marlon Humphrey, you got that kind of shut down corner, uh, you know, that, that vibe on the outside. So there's big names, there's kind of new names that have talent and there's, it's a lot of guys there and it's, it's a tall task again for the Vikings offense here. 
Absolutely. So you look at the way and style of play for this defense. First and foremost, this is a 3-4 unit. So you're going to get some multiple fronts. Um, you're going to get different packages. You're going to get different looks. You're going to get different pass rushers. Um, and it all kind of starts with Brandon Williams as the no, at the nose tackle position. Um, he's the true, you know, true nose tackle in, the, in every sense of the term where he's going to take up blockers. He's going to clear space. And that's going to open up gaps for guys like Calais Campbell, also Pernell McPhee and Justin Houston. Well past their prime, I think both of them would agree with me saying that uh but still uh you know advantageous pass rushers that know what they're doing and they're able to get around that you know you know an inexperienced offensive tackle which the vikings have i think o'neill has established himself as a bit of a as a you know kind of a, a low-end veteran at this point but still a young player and of course christian Darris on the other side uh you're playing with fire going against guys like Justin Houston, Pernell McPhee, guys who have been around the block. Um, in addition to that, the second level, Patrick Queen, of course, everyone remembers from LSU. It's a big name, like you were saying, where he's kind of got that draft pedigree where we remember him just based off of that. Yeah. Been solid. Same can be said for Tyus Bowser as well. Solid, you know, solid linebacker at the, at that level as well. And then last, lastly, you know, really on the secondary, I think this is kind of the weakest unit uh, for Baltimore, at least at this point in time with Marcus Peters being out uh, other injuries at positions out there as well. Uh, it comes down to Marlon Humphrey, who remains one of the best in the business in terms of locking down one individual player. Uh, does he have his moments? Absolutely. Um, do I think there's an opportunity for a fun moment for the Vikings if they decide that they, you know, want to go over the top? Uh, Justin Jefferson and Marlon Humphrey on the outside is that could be a lot of fun to watch and um, definitely, you know, premier young matchup and something you could be seeing for multiple years in the NFL here. But ultimately, it really comes down to him on the back end, but they don't need to be as efficient in their secondary because their pass rush can get home with three, four guys and then dropping back into coverage and playing zone. Right. So they're very creative defensively as well. Advantageous defense. Of course, Marcus Peters isn't there, but they still have that tone where they will go after, you know, ball hawking defense. They will try to jump routes, that type of thing. So always, always, always got to keep your eye on guys like Marlon Humphrey in the secondary um, and these tackling machines like Patrick McQueen, Patrick Queen in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I mean, looking at, the the numbers here right actually i mean believe it or not the ravens are the low or the worst team in the league in terms of passing yards allowed now that doesn't ag shock me honestly. aggregate num aggregate numbers are one thing like i don't think that dictates everything but like you just think back to like joe burrow putting up 400 some yards on the on the ravens a couple weeks ago and Bengals going in there and winning that game so it was and a lot of that was just because joe burrow found you know found ways to to beat them through the air and so I think that's going to be sort of the, the way to do this is, I mean, we harp on it every single week, but the weakest link here, secondary, let Kirk Cousins cook is kind of what we're trying to, to get at. We say it every single week. Vikings seem to not want to do that, but I do think there's a path to winning this game and it is taking advantage of the secondary that is 28th in the league in net yards per attempt allowed. There so uh, there's, that is to me the method of success here. The Vikings have the skill players for it. They have the quarterback for it. And Definitely. yeah, they can certainly at least try to match up um, with the, the scoring that the Ravens will certainly be doing. So uh, again, it just depends on how aggressive Vikings want to be, but uh, obviously they haven't really shown that here recently. That really is all it comes down to, right? Like you just identified a very explicit weak point. Uh, it's in the numbers. It's also in the name. As well, I mean, you can throw away from Marlon Humphrey. He's one guy. I mean, he can shut down one side of the field. Sure. You have maybe. two, you know, elite players on the outside at receiver. I mean, right. 
You, we can't cover you know, both. I would, them, I, so. Justin Jefferson better get more than four targets in this game. You would sure hope so, especially if you know they do have you know Humphrey travel around or move to the inside with Adam Thielen or whatever. Yeah, Basically, yeah. whoever Humphrey's not on, if you you like that one on one matchup, right? So um, I would throw the ball. I don't think the Vikings are going to. I mean, in terms of what I think they're going to do, I think they're going to do the same thing that they've been doing all season long and try to establish yeah. the run early, not go away from it. Try no, to make- may- I mean, I mean, you think with that the seats warming up a little bit, maybe things change, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I kind of feel like Mike Zimmer is the type of dude who's going to go down with his ship, right? Like he's never – I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to change. He's going to continue to be a great defensive – I mean, we never taken, never said that he wasn't, right? Yeah. He's going to continue mean, to be innovative Vikings, defensively. But The Vikings are just weird enough to win this game too. Like, I mean, it's – like last year they went to Lambeau and won. Right, so there, right, right. There's – I mean, I'm, I'm never going to say – and with this team, I will never say they will not win this game. I, well, I'm going to say they probably won't win this game. And that's that's how I feel about this one. Well, that is a probably a good segue into our picks here. So I um, I'm also going to go Baltimore in this one. I can't confidently pick Minnesota after what I saw last week. Let's just be real here. Right. Um, you know, Baltimore, in addition to the fact that the Vikings are not playing quality philosoph- philosophical football right now, like it's not it's just not winning football. Um, you're also going up against a team that is just so dangerous offensively. Um you know, takes advantage of opportunities defensively, very well coached. And of course you got Justin Tucker as well. So like, if you need a big kick, like, you know, you got it. You got three points, no doubt. So I, I don't see the, I don't see a road to the Viking. And you play on the road, play on the road. No Daniel Hunter, potentially no Anthony Barr. I mean, there's yeah. so many things working against the Vikings here. Um, the best thing for the Vikings is they are super underdogs. And maybe they do take advantage of that fact that no one thinks the Vikings can win this game. I'm definitely one of those people. Um, yeah. I think we're 2-0 there. Baltimore all the way this weekend. Hey, I'm hoping for the Vikings to prove me wrong. And honestly, this is the type of situation where they normally do. Like, you're right. They, they are just weird enough to compete with this team. And if they get that turnover, I don't think it's going to happen. But if they do, there's an opportunity there. Um, I don't think this is a true blowout. I just don't think that there's a way the Vikings right. ultimately win on the scoreboard. Yeah, I, I just don't see. I do think it's it could be one of, like, again, the Vikings play every game close, or they're always kind of around. So Love that, by the way. That makes every Sunday interesting. It's Which is entertaining. So uh, right. I'm sure we'll be sitting there in the fourth quarter in the final six minutes, and the Vikings will, in theory, have a chance to win. But uh, I'm going to pick the Ravens, too. Absolutely. All right, so Ravens for the both of us, both of us to kick it off here. That leads us to our Thursday night matchup. Ugh. the jets and the colts uh jets won with one last week so we have to give them their time of day uh indianapolis also had an opportunity to win last week and uh it looks like carson wentz is about the most fun roller coaster in the nfl um he can give you the the win that you need to give give you the opportunity you need and take it away from me in the same breath so the jets have it in them to get another upset victory i Mike White was was nice last week. Um, he's in, he's in the hall I, of fame, not, by the way. I'm not buying. <laughs> I'm not buying it yet. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Colts here because I do think the Colts are playing well. And if yeah, I do too. You know, if I mean, if Carson doesn't make, if Wentz doesn't make two of the worst interceptions of the year last week, you know, they win that game against Tennessee, who's been rolling. So I'm gonna take the Colts here. I still think that they're a solid team. I think they're probably a little bit better than their record says. And I don't know if I can say that about the Jets. I think I want to say that you know the wins have been fluky because they've beaten two good teams, but I just don't see it as a, a reliable uh you know source of success yet. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fair. And Jonathan Taylor angling towards being one of the better running backs in the NFL right now. 
I'm as consistent as anyone. Uh, it's just basically comes down to the shoulders of Carson Wentz. And can you beat Mike White? I don't know how we're even having this discussion. Um, I, I didn't know who Mike White was. Until I didn't either. Ten I days ago. Didn't so, ne- never heard of it. So I'm going to bet that he can't go. He can't double down. I'm going Indianapolis as well. Uh, they get it done at home at Lucas Oil. Uh, next one here. We got a AFC matchup between the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, of course, this one gives you an opportunity here to kind of decide the division uh, somewhere down the road. A bitter rivalry in Ohio. Uh, Joe Burrow matches up with, I believe it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Uh, you got the Odell Beckham stuff going on. Uh, does Cleveland get the better of Cincinnati here or is Burrow and co ready to take over that division? They lost. I'm, I'm, I'm go- I know. I know. Uh, I'm still, I'm going to go Cincinnati bounce back here. Uh, but for whatever it is, man, I mean, Kevin Stefanski is kind of developing a history for uh, pissing off talented wide receivers. So uh, something to watch. Just saying, is something it him? to watch. That's I don't know. It's just the common denominator between Diggs and, and Odell Beckham. It's just, it's there. It's there. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. <laughs> That's all. I don't, I, I don't hate that. Um, I'm, I'm sure someone will be digging into that because you can't be the only one who noticed that. Right. Uh, I'm going Cincinnati as well. I think they bounce back. I think they're ready to take control um, of this division. I just cause they have the run over Baltimore already. That's really, uh, that's the difference yeah. here. So I'm going to go Cincinnati here. Um, Cleveland. I just don't know. I, I feel, I feel kind of bad for these guys. Um, the whole situation with Baker's shoulder mm-hmm. and so forth. It's rough. So they should, all right. they should trade for Kirk. <laughs> oh my god i would love that all right uh next one here is denver and dallas um could be a matchup i, I assume dak's gonna be back um otherwise you get cooper rush does it matter no we didn't i mean nobody anticipated anything until like friday last week where it was like oh okay i guess dak might not play right uh I, i'm gonna go dallas i mean yeah airing on the side of dak playing um i mean last week we i picked dallas assuming dak would play i would have probably i thought about changing the pick but i i mean whatever i'm still going the cowboys i don't think the broncos are you know that clearly that three no start was a mirage so uh give me dallas and of course they just moved von miller as well um arguably, oh yeah good point you know their best passer well definitely their best passer arguably their most talented defensive player uh, i'm going dallas too i don't really care if it's cooper rush to be honest i think that um, dallas is just a more complete football team i mean they beat the vikings with cooper rush last week i think the vikings are better than denver <laughs> Kind of, I think, I think, I think that, um, so, uh, Dallas gets the W, uh, we'll roll with that together as well. Um, next one here is Houston and Miami. Um, I hard one to pick, man. I mean, these are two teams that are kind of heading in that fire your yeah. coach and start over direction. So, um, who gets it done this weekend? Is it going to be Tua or is it going to be, um, the man with the largest neck I've ever seen? Yeah. Uh, I'm going Miami. Uh, I don't like to pick, I, I don't know. I hate this game. I hate it. I'm going Miami though. Yep. I hate it as well. I'm going to go Miami. I, I, both these teams suck, right? This isn't, that wouldn't be fun to watch either. Um, I'm going to take Miami too. I think they're the better, more complete roster. And I also think they're better coached. So, um, all right, let's go Miami at home. Uh, next one here is Atlanta and new Orleans. Of course, new Orleans just lost Jameis Winston for the season. They still won against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, despite that defense looks really nice. Uh, this week they'll have to face off against Atlanta, whose offense just lost Calvin Ridley. Um, of course, Michael Thomas has been declared out for the year. A lot of news between these two teams, honestly. Um, who is able to kind of mitigate disaster better um, this week? Yeah, so I kind of need to give Sean Payton some credit here, and I hate doing that, but I kind of thought that they would be uh, – I, I really thought this team would kind of fall 
fall off the cliff here and decline, you know, with the Drew Brees retirement and, you know, t- Jameis Winston taking over and kind of their, their really dreadful salary cap situation and kind of losing some players. I didn't think they would, I thought this would be kind of the start of that. They're off to a five and two start. They just beat the Super Bowl defending champions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the saints. I think they're, they're, they're a gritty enough team. And again, they've lost at home to the giants and, and things like that, but they have a couple of very impressive wins. So I'm going to, I'm going to take New Orleans. Yeah. I'm also taking New Orleans. I think that they're, um, they're easier to, they're easier to kind of have a, um, to bet on, right? Like they have more things that you can be confident in at yes. this juncture. Sean you really King can't be confident in anything Atlanta right now. I mean, exactly. you, just, you, you never really know what they're going to do every Sunday. Whereas, you know, the Saints is a little bit more consistent and trustworthy. Agreed. Agreed. So we're all in the, uh, New Orleans to the both of us there, moving us to Las Vegas and the New York Giants. Of course, Vegas, jeez, uh, my God, it must be a rough year to be a Raiders fan. Uh, first, John Gruden, and now you have the Henry Ruggs situation that developed um, as of this recording um, about 24 hours ago. So yeah. Um, condolences to everyone in that situation you got a loss of life you've got a ruined life i mean no one wins so uh, that really sucks dallas is, or excuse me las vegas is going to look to find a way to get a w here despite that storm clouding the week against the giants here uh, giants look pretty good against kansas city um i guess i don't really know did they look good i think they look good because they compete we don't with, know it, it's i don't know how don't good know kansas how good city the, is yeah nobody knows how good the chiefs are I mean, if they were truly the, the same Kansas City, they would have, you know, clowned the Giants. Yeah. I'm going to take the Raiders. I don't love it. Uh, I just, I, I know there's, there's the numbers out there of Daniel Jones is just way worse at home than on the road, which is kind of different. Hilarious. Yeah. But that's kind of my main reason for picking the Raiders here. Honestly, if, if it was the other way around, I would probably take the Giants on the road. But uh, this is at, this is at, uh, in New Jersey. So I'm going Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to take Vegas. Uh, I believe this uh, this team rebounded um, when they lost Gruden, um, and they kind of had that media storm going on. This one is not as big of a media storm. Obviously, this one sucks just as much, but um, I think that they'll be able to weather it. They did a great – I mean, th- dude, this guy, this interim coach, was it Rich Sashia? I don't know how to, if I'm butchering his last name. I it's, a, it's something – yeah. I mean, I, I know there's – the, it seems like the team's rallying around this guy. I don't. I like. Can, I like him a lot. Yeah. I like him a lot. He has. He's very quotable. Uh, he seems very dependable, and he knows what he's doing. So I'm gonna take Vegas to weather the storm and get a W over the Giants on the road. Um, next one here: New England versus Carolina. Now, Carolina. I don't know who the hell this team is either. I mean, they fall right sounds in with like, the Philadelphia uh, Eagles and Minnesota Vikings. I don't know who you are. It sounds like PJ Walker is planning to start to that quarterback. I week. like that. I like that. So XFL. I know I think it's because Darnold is uh concussion protocol or something like yeah. that right now. So so PJ Walker's taking the first team reps. Oh, I think they could win, man. Um, he's good. I, he's not bad. I I want to take Carolina. I'm not going to do that yet. I'm going with New England. I think it's got the safer pick. Although very excited to see what PJ Walker can do if he indeed does start. I'm on the fence here. I was going to take New I'm going to take Carolina. Um, I like PJ Walker, Stephon Gilmore revenge game, of course. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to roll with it. I, I Carolina's coming off of a really nice defensive performance. Um, I'm going to take are. him here, uh, give him the opportunity. Uh, so we'll split on that one. Moving us to Buffalo and Jacksonville, which I don't believe we need nope. to talk about. No nope. Buffalo for the both of us. And we'll move forward to the chargers and, and the Philadelphia Eagles, a matchup between two teams that I don't know who the hell either of you are. So um, yeah, very confused. I mean, I, about I'm not going to be convinced by any team beating the lions. So I'll, I'll go Chargers for now, but I do think this is going to be one of those another just super weird game. I mean, 
we've seen the Eagles this year get super weird in fourth quarters where things get kind of crazy. Same yeah. thing with the Chargers over the years. I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> common thing for them. So uh, I'll take the Chargers, though. I'm going Chargers for a couple of reasons. Number one, they do they operate under more than just one player offensively. It's not just one guy uh, that runs 81% of their offense like Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Uh, and number two, uh, the guy that does that is in charge of you know the majority of the offensive share, Justin Herbert, is the better of the two players. So I'm going to take the Chargers here pretty confidently. But again, I don't know who the Chargers are, and I really don't know who the Eagles are either yet. So uh, next one here is Green Bay and Kansas City. And this one is hilarious, folks. Had the billing to be had the billing to be a premier matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. But as of this recording, November 3rd, 6.20 p.m., Aaron Rodgers is ruled out for this game due to COVID protocol. He have apparently lied to us all about being vaccinated, which, which is I, I, unreal. Th- that is. <laughs> so he tricked I've, us. He didn't even lie. I've, I've been us. I've been a big Rodgers person. The listeners know this. Um, yeah. And so part of me now, again, the vaccination thing, like getting vac- vaccinated, obviously I, I am a pro vaccine um, <laughs> as far as this goes. But it's like, in a I'm way, I respect vaccine. the heck out of his like, I don't care. Like he knows he knows he has like he can do basically whatever he wants because of how things have gone over the summer and things like that. So he's kind of like, he just doesn't care. I mean, that's what it comes down to. He doesn't care. And he knows, he, he knows he has enough like uh, support around him in the locker room right now mm-hmm. where he can miss this game and the team's going to be okay with it. They're going to come back and support him, especially probably how, I mean, if Jordan love doesn't show up, especially that's going to be the case. Oh, I was uh, so the complete inverse. What if Jordan love wins? And takes advantage of the Chiefs right now. Well, there's that too. There's that element, but uh, unbelievable. And the other thing we should discuss this is like the NFL has been, they've been talking a lot of talk about, you know, you know, uh, enforcing COVID protocols and things like that. And there's always been, you know, you see on the sidelines, you know, the guys who are reportedly unvaxxed on the Vikings, you kind of see it. And I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, is that, are they supposed to have a mask on now? Whatever, you know, and you never hear anything about it. Now it sounds like I saw a statement from the NFL, like they're going to look into the protocols and stuff from green Bay. It, I, I'm curious to see how this goes down because if the NFL is truly going to be this, uh, you know, this big enforcer on these rules, are they going to come down hard on the Packers of all franchises? And is Aaron Rodgers? like hurting his team where it comes down to punishment. It comes down to a big fine. It comes down to draft picks being lost just because their quarterback just doesn't care. Like that would be a little bit funny to me. So I think all that aside, I'm going to go with the chiefs uh, because I mean, I've never seen Jordan love play, but exactly, I'm entertained by all of it. And it's clearly, I mean, we should also, Hey, the Packers have some COVID going on in the team. I mean, they got guys testing pot. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll go with the Chiefs, though. I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. I can't bet on Jordan Love against Patrick Mahomes. That'd be blasphemous, right? Um, so I'll take the Chiefs. The one thing I will say about Rodgers is I think it's so funny that he didn't lie. He just tricked all of us. He, just he did said, not I, He did not explicitly he, lie. He did not. He tried. He de- He deceived us like no, an no. asshole. Like, that's very rude of him. Yeah. But he didn't <laughs> lie. 
You know, like he said, I have been immunized. And I think he's he he must have done some sort of like he he totally knew this was coming. Like he you could tell he's thinking about this like days in advance, knowing he was going to meet with the media that day. Like this was back in August. And he's like, all right, here's how I'm going to answer this. And I'm going to mm-hmm. get away with it. Oh, this was planned. And, and he totally had I mean, I, I everybody knew or thought, yeah, he's axed totally just because I mean, he was he never had a mask on, never, you know, associated himself with one. And he was always he was being supportive of like. I mean, when you say I've been immunized, like that's kind of the, I mean, that's what I would think in the context of the conversation. It's like, okay, this is a COVID vaccinated person. Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, The content's great. It's, it's, it's nice to have for once the Packers be kind of in that weird spotlight of things where it's usually the Vikings that have something stupid going on. It's finally the Packers and it's fun. Here's the one thing that I want to say before we move past this. I, I, I love this, first of all. But I, I, I made the joke earlier, and I do want to say that this is a joke. Um, but, like, is this not, like, on par with what Ontario Smith did with the Wizenator? That, like, trying to bypass protocol in order to play the way that you want to play? Is it not the same? Like, are we not in the same playing field? Basically, I know that one's taking a drug and one is not taking a drug, not taking a drug. But is it not like on the same plane? Like, should Rogers not be suspended for trying to elude protocol? I, I, it's a joke, thing. right? Like, I, I'm not. I, I, I I'm don't not actually it, advocating it, for. I, it. I know, like, but it's it's just there's. I, I that's why I'm curious about how how hard the league is going to come down on this because if he truly I'm very curious if if he truly did like very egregiously and very clearly. <laughs> Like nonchalantly dodge, dodge these protocols in a deceitful way, you know, then there's, I mean, there should be a lot of punishment here. And I don't know what the NFL has set forth in terms of like, here's what we're going to do to punish you. If you violate these, whatever, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. And I'm sure it's written down somewhere, but I mean, if, if the NFL is to be respected, they do come down hard on this. Right. I, I would think so. I mean, what happened with Lyle, Lyle Collins when he tried to, you know, get his way out of a drug test and, you know, threaten yeah. someone or whatever. That's again, not the same thing, but there's some, pre- I don't know, whatever we're doing picks, but hilarious situation. I'm glad we got a chance to, to talk about that a little bit. All right. Next one here, back to business. Arizona lost to green Bay last week. They head out on the road against San Francisco. Do they get back on track or do they lose to their division rival? I got the Niners. Niners look okay. They can um, run the ball for sure. Elijah Mitchell, so, but he didn't practice and today. I think I, I, I think, and that was play, played him tough last time. I, I think, uh, I think, the, I think I, I'm not a believer in the Cardinals and the Niners. I think they do enough things creatively, creatively. And uh, I just, I think they have enough to do it here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the Cardinals to make the comeback. You know, I don't think they looked bad last week. I do think that they, you know, probably should have taken advantage of a situation where they didn't have to face Devontae Adams. Uh, that being said, I mean, Green Bay, not a bad football team to lose to if you're going to lose one, right? Uh, so, uh, I mean, I guess it is a bad one just from the precedent that now you are kind of in trouble in that way, right? Like you lose to an NFC top-tier player team. But, again, a very competitive matchup. Um, I think that Arizona is still very good. I'm curious if Kyler Murray is going to be out or not. Because if he's out, that changes things dramatically. Um, Go McCoy. It, <laughs> screw this. I'm 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 going with San Francisco too. If it's Colt, <laughs> all I'm I said to, was Colt McCoy, and that was enough. To I can't. Change there's no mind. way. There's no way, man. There's no way. I'm going San Francisco too. 
I think I think Arizona is the better team if Kyler Murray's starting, but I don't think he's going to start. So I want San Francisco. All right, uh, last two here: Tennessee and the Los Angeles Rams. That's Sunday Night Football. That should be a good one. Uh, Matthew Stafford leading it in. No Derrick Henry though. Wow, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit different here and take the Titans. Um, I think okay. in a way it will help the tight. Not I'm not I'm not advocating that the Titans are better without Derrick Henry, but I think freeing up Tannehill a little bit more will actually kind of surprisingly benefit him. So I'm going to go with Tennessee here and I don't really know how they're going to stop the Rams because that defense is pretty darn bad, but it's just, I think they wouldn't shoot out. It would definitely be a fun one for sure. Um, I'm going to take, I'm going to go with the Rams here. Uh, I think that losing Derrick Henry, trying to just figure out what to do without him in one week. I think Jeremy McNichols will factor into that. I hope we get to see Adrian Peterson. That'd be fun. By the way, um, jersey number eight, it looks like, which is very different. There's, yeah. I believe, McDickles is already 28. So that's going to be very confusing for me when I watch this game and I see 28 in the backfield right. and knowing <laughs> Peterson's on the team and it's not him. Uh, I don't know. I We'll see. I, I can't imagine Peterson is still uh, effective, but we'll see. Hey, he's proved me wrong before. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, he's been getting, you know, the last two stops that he's had. I think he had a thousand yard season. Yeah. What was that with Washington randomly? I don't know. I, I, I saw a stat the other day that he has more 15 yard rushes uh, in the last or since 2018 than Christian McCaffrey. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, I will split on that one here. Uh, Los Angeles for me, Tennessee for Drew, and brings us to our Monday night matchup the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, who uh, still struggling as a passer but it seems like he's picking up the game speed a little bit, starting to figure things out a little bit. He had that highlight reel run, of course. Um, I think his pocket presence is improving, but Pittsburgh uh, may be the best, you know, de- one of the best defenses in the NFL and definitely uh, one of the best pass rushers and TJ Watt will be coming after him. Who gets it done? Yeah, I got Steelers. Uh, yeah. That's just, I, I think this will be kind of a rude awakening for, for fields. Uh, not, I mean, awakening. I mean, you know, I, you're a rookie, yeah. you're playing on prime time against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um I just I think I think Pittsburgh's gonna have the big advantage there. Yeah, uh, I'm going Pittsburgh as well. I think Chicago sucks. I think the Vikings are the clear number two team in the NFC North. Pack which is nothing to be proud of, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, all right, so Pittsburgh for both of us that rounds out our picks for the week. And as status update here, uh, I think I had the worst week of picks that I've ever had well, um, in the what five years that we've been doing this. I went five and ten last week. Um, That's tough to do. That is tough, right? Uh, cumulative, cumulatively, 78 and 44. You went 7 and 8. You didn't fare a whole lot better than me, uh, but you did gain a little bit of ground. Then you got the money week pick as well. Uh, Green Bay cashing for you. Detroit, Bang. not for me. Uh, so if we're counting at the, at this point in time, I, I lose four points. You get four on addition to that, um, and that would give you give me a three-point advantage heading into uh, this next week of play here. So that's where we stand uh, through eight weeks into week nine of the NFL season. All right. Is there anything that we missed before we get out of here? Anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Um, the other thing is, I guess I want to mention Mike Zimmer bringing all these stats to the press conference today, as if that was <laughs> going to like, as if that was going to like cool the seat a little bit. Like, I don't know. Great. I'm happy for all the stats that you've got. Like, you still suck. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's that doesn't, I mean, there's a, it's not just you're not just losing these games by chance. Like we've talked about how luck has played a little bit into it with that those first Everyone couple of weeks. That, by the way, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, I get it, but you know, 
looking at the at least the last four games, they're the the conservative play is is in the last five minutes of the game, last the fourth quarter, really. The stats don't matter if, if that's how you close games. So I don't know. It's uh whatever. I'm a, I don't like that he went that route. It's petty. But, petty for sure. Definitely felt like a like a direct response to Chris Thomason, just knowing that Chris just, Thomason I think it was just like he's like I don't know if he thought that was gonna get people to buy into like buy it back into kind of his philosophies or I, I don't know, but you're three so and four, petty. you're barely over five hundred um in in nah. totality. So yeah. um as it pertains to like I'm guess I'm looking specifically at the cousins era, but it's right. still in general, it's just not it's you you better start winning some games. That's all I'm saying. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, one thing I want to ask you real quick before we get out of here. If Mike Zimmer and the Vikings are able to get a W over Baltimore, does this cool things down a little bit, or do we still remember what happened last week against Dallas? And, and I mean, obviously winning games is better than losing. That's right. like the Trent Delfer quote from ESPN, uh, whatever, a couple years ago, yeah. when he was like, you can't lose games in the NFL and still win. I mean, right. but it's – I would I would still be stuck on that loss because – in the grand scheme of things, you can't lose to a backup quarterback who's starting his first game at home in your stadium. That's rocking, right? So, and there's just the team is missing so many opportunities because of the way they they manage things. You win this game, sure. I I need to see, I need to be believe. I need to believe that they can compete for a championship, really, before I'm kind of off the, you know, off the off of you know the the fire Zimmer movement, so to speak. So. That seems like a lot has to happen for that. And I'm not, it's, I'm not saying it can't, you know, they can certainly go on a winning streak here and things are turned around. I just think a lot has to happen before I get to that point. Opportunity is there. I will say that. Of course, you got Baltimore, Chargers in the coming weeks. And then, of course, you finish up with the, with Green Bay at the end of this month. There's an opportunity to get right back on this, you know, right back on it here. Does not bode well for them that they lost to Dallas in a backup quarterback. Um, but if you start beating good teams the next over the next three weeks, I mean, people people have a week to week mindset in the NFL. You can forget things real yeah. quick if things start looking good. You blow out the Ravens, people start to forget. If you don't, things can get worse real quick. So we'll see what happens. You guys know what side we're on for this matchup, but hopefully, um, hopefully your Vikings can you know find a way to pull through here and get back to that 500 mark. Um, and if they don't, we'll still be back here to discuss it. Um, you can find the, the podcast, of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. If you prefer to watch us talk about the Vikings, you can find us on YouTube. Make sure to check out the rest of the, the Climbing the Pocket Network shows five days a week, live shows, podcasts, a lot of different content you know, creators. So if you don't like us, you might like them. And then lastly, make sure to check us out on Daily Norseman and the rest of the written content on there that keeps you updated on the purple and gold throughout the week. So with all that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next week. Oh.